0: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts,
1: Tyler and Charlie.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today. Is my coach Charlie? And Charlie, it's like it's been a minute, right, since we've gotten together on the show.
1: Yes, it has. What?
0: A couple, it's actually been like a couple of weeks, like before the holidays. Yeah,
1: it's been a busy few weeks.
0: Yes, it has. Was your Christmas season, your holiday season, as busy as mine? Yeah, I think it's I had one, that busy. one, two, three, four different Christmases to go probably to. Not so that, busy, no. that that was fun. That was fun. Uh, are you a Christmas lover? Are you sad that it's gone?
1: I was when I was younger, but now. I just like to time You're off You're old work.
0: and jaded? Yes. <laughs> you just want to time off work? Are your decorations still up? Have you gotten around to that? No. When did you take no, it down? they're down. They're down? Yes. S- since when? Christmas. Like Christmas Day? Day? Yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. You you don't love Christmas, do you? No. Wow. Borderline Grinch. I'm just
1: kidding. No, I do like Christmas. but my You family, do like
0: Christmas. You used to like Christmas. My
1: family does Christmas on Christmas Eve, so, you know, once my house was all... Trashed. It was just easier to clean. So, did you take them down on
0: Christmas Day or before Christmas Day? If you do Christmas Eve,
1: Christmas Day.
0: You took them down Christmas Day. Okay. Wow. Not a
1: total Grinch.
0: Borderline, borderline, borderline. Thank you. But, 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 even if you don't love Christmas, now you get to go to one of your favorite cities in the world for three days. How excited are you for that?
1: Well, considering the things that are coming out of the program, uh, I don't even so know if the game's gonna be that great. So
0: you're yeah, you're convinced we're gonna lose this game.
1: I think it's a good possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's, that's that's a fair assessment at this point, but uh you leave you leave Monday, right? Yes. So like let me let me ask you this. What cities in America do... Do you actually like? Because like, I feel like every time we talk about a Georgia road trip, we talk about how much you hate the city, whether it's Nashville or Atlanta, now New Orleans. Like, Do you actually like a city in America?
1: I like going to Columbia, South Carolina because it's close. Well,
0: you actually like Columbia, South Carolina. I
1: do. I like okay.
0: That's, Columbia, most people Missouri. Don't. Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, Missouri is the best SEC town outside of Athens
1: uh-huh. by far. Uh, I like Knoxville.
0: But Knoxville's not a great... I guess for a football weekend, yes, we talked about this before. To. Yeah, easy to get to and it's for a football weekend. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get yeah. that. But is that it? I mean... Everywhere in city of America I like is terrible?
1: Kentucky. I like Lexington. Lexington's
0: actually a really underrated trip. Okay. It's kind of a long So week. basically all the trips that we go to next year you like. There's this year that you don't like as yeah. much outside of Knoxville. Yes. Okay, so we'll... We'll talk about how much fun you have in all these trips next year. Just yes. not so much this year. But uh, all right, let's move on to the good stuff that sh- all you guys tuned in girls tuned in for today. And that would be our breakdown of the Sugar Bowl matchup with the Baylor Bears. Uh, and Charlie, since you put together the rundown for today's episode, I'm just going to go ahead and turn things over to you. Take it away.
1: Okay, well, in the playoff era... Most of the other bowl games, as you know, have been relegated to sideshow status. Even the once high-profile bowls like the Sugar
0: Bowl—it's kind of sad, isn't it? Like the playoffs, great, I guess. It's better than I think. It's better than the BCS, but like I think
1: they could choose better locations. So the Fiesta Bowl, nah.
0: so not do the the traditional old-school BCS bowls, right?
1: Like I think the Outback Bowl would be good.
0: Bit them out. Yeah. Should you bid them out? Okay. Like, I, I mean, I just think the they have different game?
1: options. I don't think it has to be the same four all the time. What
0: about if it was home home fields for the semifinals?
1: Well, I mean, I would like that, but I that would never happen.
0: It would never happen, but, I mean, think about how much money, think about back to when we went to the, the Rose Bowl national championship think about how much money we all spent on that. Oh, Insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Insanity. So it's like a very expensive they they, they really do price all these. How they set up the playoffs? Like they price out the average fan. It's crazy. Like home and, home field. Like home and home. Like not home and home, but I guess home fields for the higher seed. To me, would make a lot more financial sense for the fans. But nobody cares for the fans. That's not what it's about. But
1: no. So but yeah. Anyway. Thinking sorry about the bulls. How important is this game for our program?
0: even though you just crapped all over the bowls. Well, I mean. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, my you,
1: opinion. Look,
0: I know I know this is not a popular opinion. I'm probably, I mean, look, most of you probably disagree with me on this. But um, I, I'm going to say I think this game is, it gets, this is an important game for our program right now. I, I do believe that. I, I, it's weird for me because, like, on one hand I always caution people against drawing these kind of, like, definitive conclusions off of, like, one single bowl game, especially in this kind of modern era where if you are in a playoff game, your best upperclassmen are more than likely sitting out that game. So I really caution, like, sometimes people, like, you know, a team will win their bowl game, and they'll go into the, like, like South Carolina a couple of years ago, right? They were coming into, like, the 2018 season. They, uh, they they ended the season pretty hot, won their bowl game, and then everybody's talking about, well, South Carolina's going to be really, really good. And it's like, mm, mm-hmm. they're going to beat Georgia. It's like, no, you're probably not. And they, they definitely didn't. So you see that from time to time where teams put all this momentum off of one bowl win. It's kind of like, ah, let's take this into context. So I, I always caution against that, but... When you're talking about the masses of college football fans, you have to admit like these games go like in the for the average college football fan, these games, these ball games still go a long way in kind of building like what's the, the, the perception, the national perception of your program. I, I would say in isolation in, in in this in this one game, in isolation, a loss against Baylor, like in and of itself, would just be a, a blip on the radar uh, if we keep winning like we have under Kirby Smart. It, it would be less than a footnote in our program's ultimate history. But, but, a loss to Baylor, which is, I mean, you guys, we all know this, that's, I mean, it's a historically marginal program at best. But a, So a loss to them in the Sugar Bowl this year, coming on the heels of a no-show performance as Texas last year, the ugly performance as LSU in the SEC title game. Although, Charlie, I mean, how bad Oklahoma got beat by LSU in Atlanta? That was ugly. like, And we got beat way less bad than that. Wait, is that even proper? Way less bad, i do not even sure. It that's was like, a
1: blowout.
0: Yeah, we got, blown, we, we got blown out, but but we got blown out less than Oklahoma got blown out, and we didn't have our three best receivers pretty much for at least half of that game. Didn't have our best running back for that game, and we still put up a better game than Oklahoma. So, like, did that make you feel, like, slightly better? about? Yes. I mean, I guess that's kind of where we are right now. But coming off that performance and uh, blowing the SEC title game last year against Alabama – like if you put Bay- a loss to Baylor, especially if it ends up being a bad loss to Baylor, with all those other losses like that, that's just going to give further credence to this notion out there among some people in in the in the college ball world that Georgia can't win big games, that we choke in those big game scenarios. That we are consistently very good program, but maybe not really an elite program after all. Now I don't buy that at all because we have won big games. I mean, every, every game in Jacksonville—that's a big game. We beat Oklahoma right in the uh, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, we, we won an SEC title against Arnold. Like we've won big games. Now, we haven't won every big game, but we have won big games. So I don't really buy that. But uh, popular opinion and perception—it's—it's it's often based on specious notions that just have like the thinnest connections to reality but perception matters. It does. Perception impacts your brand and your brand is how you recruit. And if you can't recruit, you simply do not win. And with all the negativity around our program, with how this season ended, especially offensively, and some of the coaching moves, the Sam Pittman moving on, people are freaking out about that. It got a little bit better with with how we end up on the early signing day, but there's a lot of negativity around our program right now. So with all of that factored into it, like I think this game can really go a long way to help it's kinda of like ending that negativity. It's like, Charlie, do you really want to go into the offseason? As 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 much negativity as there have been swirling around our program lately, add to that a loss to Baylor, this marginal program historically. Like imagine the offseason with that. Think about yeah. how bad it was last year with Texas, losing to Texas like that.
1: It's not how you want to go into the offseason.
0: At all. At all. So uh, I think we need to win this game. And I think this is gonna go a long way towards helping us build some momentum heading into twenty twenty. So yeah, I think this is a, I think this is a big game. Okay. I do.
1: Well, for those of you that have been following the program over the past few weeks, you may have noticed that it seems like Georgia's going to be fielding a JV team on Wednesday, or at least it might seem like that. Hmm. We have some players out due to injury, some that are ineligible academically, and some of those choosing to sit out for the NFL. Some new little puff puff. <laughs> yeah. Puffy, puffity. Yes. Yep. So those players include wow, this is a long list. Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, Ben Cleveland, Brian Harrion, J.R. Reed, Tyler Clark, Kieris Jackson, Dominic Blaylock, Devon Wilson, Quay Walker, and likely DeAndre Swift. Of all those players, Tyler, which loss will hurt the most in this game?
0: God, that's that's a long that's like about half of those, at least half of those are starters. Uh-huh. That that hurts. That hurts. I think I think you hit everybody. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody. These are players that we know of, right? Probably
1: oh, be somebody who comes out tomorrow. I mean,
0: there's beat writers out there at, at practice in New Orleans. Like all they're doing is like looking for who's out there and who's not, so they can report. Like, they don't really know. Kirby's not. He's not. Uh, he's not gonna
1: answer that. He's question.
0: not. He's not confirming or denying anything. He's just like we're got the guys that are here. Well, so he didn't
1: let the guys come this year who weren't playing.
0: How do you feel Last about year, that? He
1: did. I agree. If you're not gonna play, you don't need to come.
0: I 100. Like, like he. Like if you guys don't know. I I mean, I'm sure most of you guys, was, like everyone's allowed to come. Even guys that were sitting out, like DeAndre Baker, was allowed to come to the bowl game, enjoy the festivities, all the events, all that stuff, be with their teammates. And that didn't work out so well. So Kirby's like, screw that. This year, if you ain't playing, you ain't coming. Uh, and I actually like that. Uh, I mean, uh, it, I like, honestly, I don't see who could have a problem with that. If you, I'm going to say you're letting your team down. Like, How do you feel about that in general, like why we're here? How do you feel about guys that are going to be high NFL draft picks, or even just a pick in the NFL draft, sitting out in the bowl game?
1: I think that they would be playing if we were in the playoffs.
0: One dad leaving, you see every team that's in the playoffs, right. nobody's so sitting you're going out. To
1: play, you play. You signed up to play, right? So if you can play, you should play. And I want to know about the guys who are academically ineligible. Because did they just not take their finals, and that's why they're academically ineligible? How does that even
0: happen? Well, if their with grades the, were the so low they
1: and they got a zero on their final, then yes, they're going to be academically ineligible. But if they've been screwing around all season, not making the grades. Then that really makes.
0: Me well, that's crazy. that's where I go. I don't know how that happens because all the tutors they have, they have they have an academic program that's designed to monitor those I mean, things. Like, how does that today, happen
1: in college today? You literally would have to do nothing
0: for a college athlete with nothing. all the support that they have, all the tutoring, yeah. everything. I mean, like it is insane the support these guys get. So it's 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 baffling to me how that's allowed to happen. Um, and that's actually a, a big source of frustration. So you, do you think it's a selfish move for guys to sit out? I like, guess that's that's what yes. you. hear. Yeah, I, I like on one hand I get it, I I get why like you want to protect yourself. You uh can, you have millions and millions of dollars at stake, not just for you but for your family. So it's hard for me to say it's just complete selfish. You are a lot of these guys are looking out for their families too. They want to take care of their. But families they wouldn't have
1: that opportunity if, they if it wasn't the, the University, University of,
0: Georgia. of Georgia. Yeah, we do give them that platform. It's absolutely true. Um, yeah, it's tough. I I just have a like it's I don't want to condemn anybody for the decisions that they make because everyone's allowed to do your it's own thing. It's not the
1: decision I would make.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to say that unless you're in that, like, have you ever had a chance to make millions and millions of dollars? It's hard to say that, but I, I think, I, I want to believe I'm with you on that, like, if, because, like, how can you look your teammates in the face, these guys that you love, right? You say you love these guys, your boys, your teammates, and then you just, you jet on them. You're out of there, uh, and I think it's can get to the point, like, one thing that concerns me about college football in general is, like, I think this is the tip of the iceberg where people thinking about bowl games. What's going to like it's sooner or later I think it's going to go this route that players as soon as like their team's out of like championship contention like if we're ever out of SEC title contention let's say in like early November why like if they're not going to play in the bowl game and they're only playing for championships yeah, why 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 are they why would you play the rest of the season if you're out of contention? Like I think I think that's where we're moving at some point and that that concerns me. And I hope it doesn't get there but like that's the logical next step. That's the logical next step. If if, if the thing is you play in the playoffs and you have a shot at a the championship then why would you play any more games after your team is is removed from any sort of championship consideration. Uh so like I I do think it's I, mean, I think you can argue that it's selfish, but I also understand what they're doing from a business standpoint, but it's just the culture of me. It's, it's, our, our society has moved towards that where like it's acceptable to look out for yourself and not worry what your decisions do to anyone else. Yep. And that's, and that's just become acceptable. So um, and that's fine. Like I, I, You can disagree with me, but I, just, I, I do somewhat have an issue with that. It's hard for me to sit here and say, without having ever been in that, op- in that position, have the opportunity to make millions of dollars, that I would never do that. But I'd like to think that I wouldn't. But enough of my self-righteous proselytizing. People can do whatever they want. Who am I to say what people should do with their lives? Everyone should completely, 100% follow your bliss. But anyway, uh, your question was, which loss will hurt the most?
1: Yes. That was about 10 minutes ago.
0: Shut up. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just was curious. I haven't talked to you in a little bit. Uh, of all those players, I'm going to say the running backs, Swift and uh, The line, like You could argue Thomas and Wilson. Like When you lose your top two tackles, the guys are probably going to be first. I mean, one, Thomas will certainly be a first-round draft pick. Probably a top five, top ten-ish draft pick. Wilson, will see. I think he has a chance. But our offense is based around the run game, especially with the with the issues we have at receiver with we, we do have pickens, but no Blaylock, obviously no Cager, no Kiaris Jackson now. Um so like we just have we have so few options of receivers so we we're gonna lean on the running game in this game and if Swift cannot go it, I mean I don't have you heard that's official yet I don't I haven't heard that officially come no, down he was today. yeah so I don't I don't know we'll see uh, I don't know but if he can't play and we don't you don't have Harry in your top two running backs and we're a, a pro style offense that features the run game we don't have receiver options right now outside of Pickens our passing game has been sputtering at at best over the past two months anyway. Uh, that's that's concerning. I, mean, I guess the running backs, in conjunction with the the two tackles, not being the game. Uh, you know, losing a guy like uh, JRE that's that sucks. But we saw Lewis seen in um in, in the SEC title game. I think he's going to be a really good player for us down the road. Kirsten. I talked about him a little bit uh, earlier in the week. So I think he'll be okay. We still have LeCount back there. Kiaris Jackson. I mean, he, it's just I mean, Hurts depth of receiver. That's not going to kill us. Baylock, again, the Hurts depth of receiver. Devon Wilson's a good player for us. But, you know, we still have Mark Webb. We still have Tyreek Stevenson. We're fine there. Quay Walker, um, I think he's really coming on. But we have we have plenty of depth at inside linebacker right now. So I think I'm probably going to go with the running back, Swift, and uh, Harry just because that's kind of what we lean on offensively. And quickly, Charlie, before we move on to your next question, I do want to remind everyone out there for the last time in 2019 about our good friends at Vivid Seats. I know time is running out to get tickets for the Sugar Bowl, but there still is time left. If you have a little bit of cash left over from the Christmas holidays, which I know some of you do, so you got some of that cash burning a hole in your pocket, then why not take a trip down to New Orleans? You can get tickets on Vivid Seats for incredible prices. You can get great seats. They're still available. A lot of them still available. Come on down to New Orleans. Have some fun with the rest of Bulldog Nation. Cheer on our dogs one last time for the 2019 season. So we try to close out this season on the right foot and move forward with some momentum into 2020. And if you buy tickets now with Vivid Seats New Rewards Loyalty Program, you can earn credits back and have credits ready for next season when the Dawes do kick off the 2020 season. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and they will automatically enroll you in the new Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And when it's time to buy, when you do find those right tickets, new users enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100.
1: Okay, so let's talk about how good Baylor really is. So, does it even matter that that long list of guys aren't playing, or are we going to be in big trouble on Wednesday?
0: You know, Baylor is like it's—they're a good football team. Baylor is certainly not an elite team. Like, you look at their record, and they're uh, what—they are ten in no, they're eleven and two right now. They're eleven and two. only two losses to Oklahoma. Uh, they are a good football team, but like when you look at the team, you say, "What? Well, they're eleven and 2? Because right now, Charlie, we're eleven and two. But I think if you looked at us throughout the, the entire season, looked at Baylor, people would say that Georgia's a better football team. But but Baylor is still really good. They are a good football team. They're not elite. They're not dominant, but they are good. You know, if you look at their, you guys know I like the total total yardage, all the the splits, the differentials, total yards differential. They're plus three hundred 940 yards on the year, although they're only plus two hundred and thirty four yards. In the Big Twelve, which I don't know, that's that's interesting. They're plus uh, just a hair under sixteen points per game. Again, like I said, their only two losses are to Oklahoma, who was in the playoff, although they got murdered in the playoff. They were in the playoff. Uh, they always sneak in the back door because the Big Twelve is trash, and they always win the Big Twelve. So Oklahoma always just sneak in the back door. Uh, so they're they're a good team. They are good. They're very well coached. They're disciplined. They protect the football. They're, they're sixth nationally in turnover That's One of the reasons they were able to win because they won a lot of close games. One of the reasons they were able to win, a big reason why they were able to win those close games is because they weren't turning the football over. They were winning the turnover battle. And let me give you an example of some of these close games they were able to win. So uh, they beat TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and West Virginia by a combined 14 points. Ouch. Yeah, 14 points. And, guys, three of those games were at home, and three of those games were against teams that did not qualify for a bowl. The only team that qualified for a bowl in that in that stretch there, TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State, West Virginia, was Iowa State, and they just got killed by Notre Dame to go to 7-6 and six on the year. So, again, Texas Tech, TCU, Iowa State, West Virginia, they beat by a combined 14 points. And they were outgained. Baylor was outgained uh, by a combined – I'm sorry, they outgained Texas Tech, TCU, and Iowa State by a combined 14 yards. All right. Again, two of those teams did not make a bowl game. One ended up seven and six. They outgained them by a combined 14 yards. So yeah, they are a good team. They're a much better version of your than your typical Baylor team. Well coached, discipline, all those things, protect the football, which is key to winning big or close games, but they they don't have like a big win on their schedule. I mean, their biggest win, like I I mean, was it Texas? Uh, Iowa State. I got. I mean, what was their biggest win? They, they the, the, their best, ga- their best, uh, their best game. I guess their best performance was Their almost win against Oklahoma, where they were beating them pretty badly in the first half, then blowing the second half. Uh, so good, but certainly not an elite or great team. This is a team that we absolutely should beat. Certainly, if we had all of our players, but even though we don't have all of our guys, like. We are still better than them. We still have, like, sure, we don't have a DeAndre Swift, potentially. We don't have Brian Heron, but we still have Zamir White, who is the number one running back in the country coming out of, out of high school. So I have James Cook. You still have Kenny McIntosh, I'm still really high on. You don't have Devon Wilson, but you got Tyreek Stevenson and Mark Webb. Uh, you might not have JRE, but you have Seam, You have Rich, Richard LeCount. Like, we just have better players than them, uh, despite a lot of those awesome players not playing in this game.
1: All right. So now let's break down the Baylor offense. What do they do well, and who do we need a game plan for?
0: Again, this Baylor offense, kind of like I said, like this Baylor team in general, good, but not elite, not great. They have some guys that can make some plays that you certainly have to be prepared for, but this is far from the best offense that we have faced this year. This is not LSU, okay? It's not even not nowhere in the same stratosphere as LSU, for example. Uh, but if you look at some of their numbers here, uh, in total offense... They're 45th nationally, averaging 431 yards a game. That number goes down to only 389 yards a game versus FBS teams with winning records. So against the better competition on their schedule, which is true for most teams, they don't perform as well offensively. Uh, Yards per play, they're 20th nationally at 6.44 yards per play. Rush offense. They're 49th nationally, so, you know, a little bit above average uh, at 174 yards a game, 44th nationally in yards per rush at 4.77, so good. They run the ball well, but they're not explosive necessarily, um, and there's pretty big splits there. They uh, average 253 yards a game on the ground against non conference opponents, but 150 yards 150 yards a game against big 12 opponents. Uh, throwing the football, like, they don't, like, they're pretty balanced. They run the football and throw the football about uh, equally as well. So 42nd nationally in passing offense, averaging about 256 yards a game. 21st in the country in yards per attempt. So they do throw the ball down the field a little bit, uh, 8.5 yards per attempt. Um, and here's one play, here's one thing I think you certainly need to watch out for. They are 11th nationally in, offensively in plays of 20 plus yards. Uh, but they're only uh and they have they have 53 pass plays of 20 plus yards. So they have like they have found a way to hit some explosive plays on the field. The guy they really liked to hit some of those explosive plays in the passing game too is Denzel Mims. He is 100% the guy at wide receiver. Uh, he's 6'3" Uh, about, about 210 pounds. He, got six, he leads them in receptions and receiving yards, 61 catches on the year, just a hair under 1,000 yards, a nine, like about 950 yards receiving on the year, 11 touchdowns, 15.5 yards per catch. He is their big play option. He's their everything option at wide receiver. He is the guy that you have got to game plan for. He's the guy that absolutely you have to double, you have to bracket him, you have to take him away because they have some solid receivers outside of him but they don't have anyone that's going to really um make you as a defense coordinator make you stay up at night so he's a guy you got to take away oklahoma did a really good job of that in the in the big 12 title game and obviously they were able to win that football game uh, the signal caller charlie brewer he should be I, I think he's gonna be back it sounds like it um there's a little gamesmanship over the past couple weeks and he was a guy that went out with a concussion against oklahoma in the big 12 title game early in that game and uh he's he's a really good player but it looks like he's going to be back as recently as a couple of days ago is so kind of murky oh, we don't know if he he's still in concussion protocol who knows but Matt Rule head coach of Baylor came out uh, i think yesterday and said that he is going to be playing in this game so he'll be there uh we'll see i mean it, and if you're clear for it's not like a, a an ankle injury or something if you're cleared from concussion, concussion protocol you're playing right So um, he's a good player. He's an accurate passer. Again, he's kind of like their offense in general. Not dynamic necessarily, but a really good, solid, smart, disciplined football player. Completes 65% of his passes, so pretty accurate. Uh, Not dynamic. Threw for less than 3,000 yards this year. 2,900. Just a little over 2,900 yards. 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's also a mobile quarterback. In fact, that's what gives me the most concern about Charlie Brewer in this game. This is one of the reasons why he got a concussion. Uh, He runs the football a lot, and and he's not the... He's not slow, but he's not the most fleet of foot guy. He can certainly move. He is mobile, but he runs with good power from the quarterback position. He's got 337 yards rushing on the year, 10 touchdowns when they get in the red zone. They don't have, like, they they have two running backs. uh, Lovett and Hasty are good backs. Jamal Hayes is a little bit more explosive, in my opinion. But both those guys have a little over 600 yards rushing, so they're not dynamic from the running back position. So, Charlie Brewer, especially in the red zone, is a key part of their rushing attack and what they want to do when they get down inside the 20 yard line. So, you certainly have to factor him in the run game. All, all, through, all, over the field, but especially once you get down the red zone, because you know those ten touchdowns tell you that's a guy. Especially with the physicality he runs with, the short yard situations, they're going to use him in those situations. So he's a good player. Denzel Mims, guy, you've got to watch out for. Hasty can he can get loose in the run game, can bust some. Uh, so those are the guys you got to watch out for. So yeah, good offense, but kind of like their team in general, not necessarily elite.
1: All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. What about the Baylor defense? We know that the Big Twelve is known for high-powered offense and porous defense. So is the
0: is Baylor a typical Big Twelve defense? Are they going to get sixty three points like Oklahoma did? Because <laughs> Oklahoma was like like the thing about Oklahoma's defense this year. I know it's just about Baylor, but it's just hilarious. Like they were supposed to be so much better this year. Right? They bring in Alex Grinch, the defense coordinator, uh, and their numbers were like statistically they were much better throughout the regular season. But Not on uh, <laughs> but Joe Burrow, I mean seven was seven touchdowns right in the first yeah. half and then basically they just kind of set on in the second half more or less I mean he, he was on he was on pace for it was like 14 touchdowns and like 900 yeah. 800 yards passing after that first half just crazy stuff so uh, I hope that's kind of what happens uh, in the Sugar Bowl where Baylor was I mean they were very comparable to Oklahoma statistically in the regular season and hopefully we'll just put a big number on them but do you have any faith in that happening, Charlie? With our offense, no, we uh, are not quite LSU offensively no, right now. not not right now. Not, not quite. Maybe but anyway, next year. Uh, do you have hope for that? Do you think that could happen? Hey,
1: anything can
0: happen if you give it time. Uh, well, we don't have much time. We need to, we need to happen now. Uh, but anyway, uh, Baylor, Baylor's defense. So yeah, like they're again, they're they're good, but not elite. They. In terms of, like, if you ask me, are they a typical Big 12 defense? They were actually top three in the Big 12 defensively in, in just about every defensive category, every major defensive category, that is. They actually only, and I know this is like, oh, this 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 is all about Big 12 defense, right? They only gave up 500 plus yards twice. That's kind of like a measurement for Big 12 defense. Like, how many times do you give up 500 plus yards? This is kind of just a pretty commonplace occurrence in the Big 12 with those offenses and the lack, of, just the general lack of defense. But they only gave up 500 plus yards twice. They did hold five opponents under 300 total yards, which that's good for any team. I will say only two of those five opponents that were held under 300 yards were Big 12 offenses, um, and I think only three of them were FB or or FBS uh, offenses. But still, regardless, I don't care who you're doing, it, doing that against, five opponents under 300 yards, you're doing something right defensively. And, and, and Matt Rule um, has had good defense, even going back to when he was at Temple. But uh, again, they're just here's the same story. I feel like I'm saying the same thing about their team in general, their offense, now their defense. They're good, but not dominant, not elite, not necessarily great on defense. Uh, in total defense, nationally, they're 40th, giving up uh, 358 yards a game. Yards per play, they're pretty good in yards per play defensively, only giving up 4.85 yards per play, which is good for 20th nationally and just like offense like they're pretty balanced defensively like they it's not like there's a big split like they're really against the run but they struggle against the pass like no they're they're slightly above average both against the run and against the pass they're 51st nationally uh, in rush defense, give 143 yards a game, In 52nd nationally in passing defense, give up 215 yards a game. But I don't know if we'll throw for five yards in this game. Just, and that's not about them, it's just about us uh, at this point. But whatever. Uh, but they are 33rd nationally in yards per rush allowed, give up 3.8 yards per rush, and 10th nationally in yards per pass allowed, give up only 6.1 yards per pass. And here's a number that is concerning for me they're actually like, they're fifth nationally in plays of 20 plus yards allowed. They've only given up a handful of, of, of truly explosive plays. Plays well, we're going to define that as plays of twenty plus yards right now. So that's that is a concern in this game. Like they're they, well,
1: luckily we haven't tried to make many plays like that. So
0: <laughs> well, I think we've tried. We just well, have been abysmally <laughs> abysmal in our been execution of those. In those. Yeah, so plays. we have come nowhere close to that. So uh, yeah, that's a great sign for us in this one. But yeah, it's it's like are rub. It's good to potentially. Happy price. Got your happy price. Price Alright,
1: well this is the last podcast of 2019. So let's wrap it is up it? with a three two one segment. Well, I mean I'm going out of town.
0: I'm going out of town too, so I guess when it we is. If come back
1: it'll be twenty twenty, so
0: is that how that works? Okay, wow, twenty twenty, yeah. here we come. Boom. He's
1: not very good at math.
0: Shut up. So give us three we all know reasons
1: that. for optimism.
0: All right, three, two, one. I mean, three reasons for awesome. Wow, that's tough in this one because you—you <laughs> pretty much saying early in the game the, that the
1: new kids are going to get a lot of experience. Kirby Smart got a haircut.
0: <laughs> just kidding. No. Uh. Uh. Yeah. New kids experience, but is that a reason to be optimistic that we have guys that have played like be
1: optimistic for next year?
0: But is that experience not, is experience? So, but we're supposed to be optimistic about this game, right? That's the purpose I'm, of three, I'm two, just one.
1: Choosing to be optimistic in general. So, so you. Give us three reasons okay. for optimism for this game. For, thank,
0: thank you for the specificity there. I appreciate that. Oh, man, this is a tough one because <laughs> as you laid out, we might have a JV team uh, out there, and there's a lot of negativity swirling around the program right now. If you get on any message board, any George-related message board, it's just a toxic environment right now. It's like, oh, my God, are these people real? Are, are these people actually exist? People who think and say these things? But I, I guess they do. Um, but I'll try my best. Three reasons for optimism. All right, number one, I'll, I'll just say this. Yes, we have a lot of players sitting out regardless of that even with all those players out we are still undoubtedly unequivocally the more talented team I don't if Baylor, Baylor's gonna have all their players and Baylor's not gonna have anyone sitting out and we're gonna have a lot of guys sitting out but we are still going to be the more talented football team they have not finished in the last four recruiting cycles which is basically the guys that have on the roster right now they have not finished higher than 29th nationally I think they're two years they were 40th one year they were 35th and one year they were 29th uh, us, on the other hand, in the last four recruiting cycles, we have not finished lower than six. And that was Kirby Smart's first year uh, coming in trying to salvage that recruiting class. Then we finished, you know, number one, number, depending on what recruiting service you look at, number one, three, one, or whatever. Uh, but we have finished basically in the top five every year in the last five or four to five years. Where again they had barely finished inside the top thirty one time. So I don't care who's sitting out. Yeah, that's gonna it's not gonna help to have those guys out. But even their backups are better, more more talented, more highly rated, highly regarded command of high school. Now, doesn't it? Now again, develop these guys too, but in terms of just pure overall talent. We are still clearly the more talented football team. But that's the case in just about every game. Like we were also the more talented team against South Carolina, and we all saw how that turned out. But optimism, right? So we're more talented. Uh, number two, my second reason for optimism is that like we've played in big games like this, like mini big games like this. Like this is even if you want to call this a big game, I don't. Know, I, I don't know where you guys sit on that, but if you want to call this a big game, which I think you can, it's a big. It's a still it's a New Year's Six bowl game, a lot of eyes. It's gonna be the one bowl game on in that window on New Year's night. So yeah, it's a big game. Uh, we've played in plenty of big games this is old hat for us for Baylor not so much like this is a very still a very new thing for them and and sometimes that matters sometimes it doesn't but it doesn't hurt I'll say this it doesn't hurt for us to be the team that is far more experienced in big games like this not only big games but like in this stadium like because we were here last year playing in the Sugar Bowl so um, we, we've we been there. We've done that. Our coaches have learned from the experience last year. The players have learned, hopefully, from that. Uh, and we just, we've been in these environments. We're not going to be intimidated. I'm not saying Baylor's going to be intimidated, but like we're not going to have all the butterflies and that kind of thing that Baylor might have. And they don't know, they, they maybe they might be a little too high coming to the game. Those kind of things. So I, I like the fact that we have the experience edge when it comes to big time moments, big time games like this. And then the, uh, the third reason for optimism is that Baylor has, I went back and crunched the numbers here. They've against the, the three best defenses they've faced this year. They only averaged 288 yards a game against those three best defenses. Now, I obviously, guys, I know you could say the same about most most offenses that against the best defenses you've played, you're not going to fare that well. But like the difference between what they've done against the best defenses and what they did against everyone else is pretty stark. Only 288 yards against TCU, and they played Oklahoma twice. So those are the two best defenses that they, that they faced. And the thing is. We are far, even with like even with guys like Tyler Clark and J.R. Reed, at, not in this game. We're still far better defensively than all those defenses, than TCU, the Oklahoma, all those defenses. TCU is the closest. That's the best defense they face statistically on the season, and TCU is number twenty-six nationally in total defense. Well, guys, uh, I'm sure you know this. We are fourth nationally in total defense. Yes, I know we have a couple guys not playing, but we still have plenty of talent, uh, and we rotate a lot anyway, especially on the defensive line. We're going to be okay there. Uh, So, yeah, they just against really good defenses, their offense has struggled to do anything. Like, Like, seriously, much of anything. And we are undoubtedly not even close, no questions asked, by far the best defense they will have faced all year long. So they've only averaged 288 yards against TCU and Oklahoma. And we're a lot better than TCU Oklahoma defensively. You'd like to think we have a pretty good chance of holding this Baylor offense in check. Hopefully. Okay,
1: so now give us two reasons we should be concerned.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I actually have a lot of reasons. I have a lot more than two, uh, but I'll try to limit it to two here. Uh, the first reason for me to be concerned is just the the musical chairs on the offensive line and just inexperience there. It looks like we're going to be starting Warren Erickson at right guard, who has essentially played no meaningful snaps for us whatsoever. Here he is thrust into the Sugar Bowl against a, a good Baylor team. And you're moving, I mean, I know Cade Mays has played some left tackle. I know Jamari Sawyer's played some right tackle, but Those guys. I mean, Jamari came in as a guard, and you know, Cade's really a—he's really a guard. He's played some left tackle, but that's not his natural position. That's not his number one position. So the musical chairs, inexperienced the offensive line. In, in conjunction with the fact that DeAndre Swift probably isn't going to play. Brian Herring certainly not going to play. You're, at, you're out your two best running backs. You're out your two top, top tackles. Your Instagram new guy who hasn't played really at all. There's no co- cohesion there, at least in terms of actual uh, game setting. Guys playing uh, somewhat out of position on the offensive line. The musical chairs there. That's concerning, especially, like I said earlier in the show, when we have struggled to throw the ball so much over the past six-plus weeks. And uh, obviously, with our style offense, we want to feature the run game. And it's going to be tough to do that at times. Our, I'm concerned about that, honestly. I'm, I'm flat-out concerned that we're going to be able to do anything offensively when we want to feature the run game. But the offensive line is, I don't want to say a, a train wreck right now, but like it, it's it's just there's there are issues there with the musical chairs and not having our running backs. Um, that is certainly a concern for me. And then, obviously, if I had to pick one more reason for concern, i got a couple, but i am going to limit to one more. Just motivation. Like We all saw this story in... In this year bowl last year against Texas, I will still maintain to this day that we were better than Texas last year. I think we played them nine, played them 10 times, we we'll won eight or nine games, especially if we played them in the regular season, but that's just not how bowl games work. Motivation, um, you know, where your mind is, mentality, mindset, coming to these kind of games, that is a really, really big deal. It's always a factor in bowl games. Like again, we saw it straight up last year. We've seen it a couple times in bowl games already this year, and this game is huge for Baylor. This is one of the, like, Charlie, is it a stretch to argue this is one of the biggest games in Baylor program history? Yeah. Like, I think you could justifiably make that argument. Like, this is one of the biggest games they've ever had. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the top three. I mean, seriously. I mean, it, for us, it's it's just like, oh, oh cool. We're go- I, it, At least I'm going to give you the, what all the fans are saying. Oh cool. We're going back to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl again. I don't think I want to make that trip. And I'm not saying that's how the players are approaching it, but like you know that like, there's some element of that like oh god we well, were just here. We just going did that. For $5. $5 on vivid seats. Go buy now. Um, I, I, there is like there's that's going to seep into our guys our minds a little bit It's like hey god like we had big-ass—like, for Baylor, it's like, oh, my God. We had no idea we were going to the Sugar Bowl this year. For us, it's like, man, we had much bigger goals. We wanted to win the SEC title. We wanted to beat in the playoffs. We think, we think we're that kind of program. Here we are again, yet another yet another disappointing performance and not only an, another disappointing finish to the season, but and here we are back in New Orleans again. Um, and, and so I think that does seep into your mentality. And I, and I know Kirby and the staff have— Really made an effort, like you said earlier, to, to change the things that they've done, not bringing everybody, only bringing guys that are playing, uh, change up how we've, how we've uh, structured practice and all that kind of stuff. And um, and obviously our coaches and players learned from that experience last year. So I want to believe that we'll be far more prepared and motivated to play this game than we were last year. But it's still a concern for me because motivation in bowl games is a massive, massive deal. It happens each and every year with a better team throughout the entire season. Somehow ends up losing to teams that... that are to an inferior team just because the motivational edge there uh, and, and the, the the psychology of the game. So the psychology, the motivation there, that certainly is a concern for me. I think you have to be foolish to not be at least somewhat concerned about that because, like, again, we saw it last year. So, yeah, those are my reasons for concern. Right, and
1: last up, one key to the game.
0: One key to the game. All right, one key to the game um, is Jake Fromm be the old Jake Um but – with our offense in general, receiving issues, I just don't see that happening. Maybe, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. We'll see. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, explosive plays on both sides of the ball here. I do not think that Baylor can consistently go the length of the field on us. I've actually watched even before I knew we were gonna play them. Uh, I watched Baylor quite a bit throughout the year because I was kind of just intrigued by them having a good season. And once I realized late in the season, like, oh, if we go to the Sugar Bowl, it's a really good chance it's gonna be Baylor. I started watching them much more closely. Uh, and guys, they do struggle at times to actually consistently move the chains, move the football up and down the field. A lot of times when they're scoring points, they're relying on big plays. To Denzel Mims, Hasty, uh, even Brewer can bust off some big plays in the run game. Uh, and, and I told you guys earlier, they're 11th nationally in explosive plays. So can we limit those explosive plays? Because if we can limit their defensive, if, if defensively can limit their plays, their explosive plays on offense, then I think we're going to have a pretty good chance of of holding them off, I don't want to say shutting them out, but uh, holding their scoring down up to, to where even our offense can find a way to score enough points to win this game. Um, and, and, like, look, we're second nationally and defensively in uh, rushing plays of 20 plus yards allowed. We've only allowed four rushing plays of 20 plus yards on the year. So I think we can limit Baylor's big plays offensively but uh, that's going to be that's going to be a key to the game on the flip side uh say the same thing here can we find a way to hit some explosive plays on our run now this one I don't have as much confidence in uh we're gonna have to find a way because you said earlier in the show Charlie we have been abysmal in trying to create explosive plays this year and Baylor's been really good stopping big plays They're, they're fifth nationally in plays of 20 plus yards allowed we are 78th nationally offensively trying to hit uh plays of 20 plus yards so I think that's going to be the key to the game. Can we limit their big plays on offense? And can we tr- somehow find a way for our offense to hit some big plays? So uh, if we can do both those things, I really like our chances now. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's a lot of tall tasks, a lot to ask for our offense to try to hit some explosive plays. But um, if we can, at the very least, hold Baylor's offense in check and force him to go length of the field consistently and not give up big plays, which we've done really good at all year, with the exception of LSU, then uh, I, I like our chances in this game, even though we're going to have a lot of guys sitting out. But uh, is that it, Charlie? We good?
1: That's it for 2019 that's it
0: for 2019 and i guess we'll if this is it for 2019 i, I know i said this on uh, the christmas episode but i just want to thank each and every one of you guys i know charlie is is with me on this thank you guys for uh, supporting our show throughout the this 2019 season it was a lot of fun I mean, it, it, it was a it was, this season was a lot of fun in a lot of different ways uh it got frustrating towards the end with the offense and we all kind of realized we probably weren't going to go where we all want to go because we had some too many deficiencies on offense but it was still a lot of fun we really appreciate you guys tuning in and supporting our show we're we're so glad to be able to offer the show again, once again for free with Overtime Media. So we're excited to continue that partnership into the future. And even though the, the 2019 season is pretty much over after this. We will have a recap show. We don't go anywhere. If you're new to the show, we will be covering Georgia sports, Georgia football all season, all throughout the offseason. We'll have at least one football-centric show every week. We'll talk about some basketball, talk some baseball, some other sports, do a bunch of different things. We cover everything Georgia athletic-related. So, uh, yeah, again, thanks, guys. I really, really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we'll see uh, some of y'all in New Orleans. But uh, for Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. Go dog.